I hope y'all are ready to hear God's word this morning because I'm ready to teach it. Come on, let's clap. Come on. Wake up. I, uh, I, got, a, I got a lot of scripture this morning, so I'm going to go fast. All right. Um, I want to I talk to you this morning about God's word, the power and the purpose of God's word. My hope and my prayer this week has been that you would leave here uh, with a deeper understanding of the intent that God has for his word in your life and that you would have a deeper hunger than you do right now. Um, when it comes to God's word, when it, when it comes to a lot of preachers preaching about God's word, a lot of times it, it really just comes down to one singular message of you need to read the Bible more than you are right now. And there's a lot of truth in that for a lot of people. There is a tremendous amount of genuine Christians, Christ followers, who have almost no relationship with the Word of God. Almost no relationship with the Word of God. That the vast majority of intake of God's Word comes in a moment just like this, a, a large group setting where there's someone teaching and, and, and proclaiming and preaching God's word. And so there's two things that I just want to put in our heart before we, before we get to the word this morning. The first one is, this is not a message that's trying to get you to read God's word more. That's not the heart of the message. I don't want you to walk away thinking, I just need to read God's word more. I, I, what, what, what the, the heart of today's message is that you would understand the intent of why God has given us his word and that you would view it in a different way than you ever have and you'll hunger for it in a different way. So I don't want you to just hear, I need to read God's word more, duh, and leave. All right, that's not, that's not what I, I want you to hear this morning. The second thing is, is I don't want you to go through this awkward phase in your own life because this, this is real. Let's just get this out on the table and, and, and just put it out there. There is this awkwardness when you've been going to, right, let me just put it like this. Let me just put it like this. When I, when I was at Lee, when I was in college, um, there was, uh, I worked uh, in the president's office and there was this one professor who would come in and from very early on, like, Two days into me working in this office, he walked in. They introduced me to him as Jordan, because that's my name. What he heard was Jason. <laughs> and so on his way out, he said, good to meet you, Jason. And I said, yay, good. <laughs> so he comes back in a couple days later, and he says, good morning, Jason. Good morning, professor. He walks on. Two years, <laughs> this man calls me Jason until I walk into his, I actually take one of his classes, and he goes, good, Jason's here. And I'm like, well, here's the thing. I know that I've let you call me Jason for two years, and this is an awkward moment, but my name's actually Jordan. He said, sit down, Jason. I said, yes, sir. All right, let's go. My point is, is that there's a lot of Christians that have gone to church for a long time, and you've never had a relationship with God's word, and it might feel awkward to start because you feel like there's too much time has passed. Why go through that? Even more real, we, our, our spouses probably know we don't have a relationship with God's word. 
And it's hard sometimes to start because once you start, you are openly admitting that I haven't had a relationship with God's word. Well, the same deal with our kids or our friends groups or our, our lives around us, that there is, there is a sense of owning a weakness or owning something that wasn't quite right or owning something that's not, that's not there, that once you start it, you're putting it out there that it's been wrong the whole time. Does that make sense? And so though there, there may be some awkwardness, my hope is that no matter where you come from and, and what your background is and what, what your relationship with God's word is, that when you leave here today, you will understand the necessity of why you need it and there would be such a hunger that it would wipe out any shame that the enemy might try to put into your life to prevent you from moving forward in your relationship with God. Does that make sense? So though it, it, there's that awkward moment when you've gotta say, I've known you for two years, but my name's not Jason, but just walk through that moment and open up God's word and let him begin to speak to you. Amen? All right, so I wanna get into this. I wanna, I wanna go to Isaiah 55 first, verse 10 and 11. There is a, a powerful word from God about God's word. It's one of the few places in scripture where God actually gives you his perspective on his word. So there, there's a lot of times when we, when we think about the word of God, we think about the knowledge in it, we think about the wisdom in it, we think about the, the, the teachings in it, we think about the doctrine, we think about the theology, we think about the commands and the rules and the laws, we think about you know, revelation and the prophecies, we think about all these different things, but the reality of it is, is that the Bible is very specific uh, because it's all, the Bible says, breathed out by God. And so God's perspective on his word should be what shapes our initial thoughts about how we view and perceive and read and hear and understand his word. Because it's more than just knowledge. It's more than just wisdom. It's more than just history, very accurate history, I might add. It's more than just prophecy. It's, it's, more, it's more than just doctrine. It's more than just theology. God's word, it's living and it's active. And God's word has a significant part in creation. God speaks from Genesis all the way through Revelation. God speaks and the world comes about through his word. John says that Jesus Christ himself, was the, the word of God was uh, with God and the word of God was God. And in John 1, 14, it says the word of God became flesh and dwelt amongst men. And then in Revelation, it talks about the power of the word of God. It talks about the lamb of God. And it says that if you alter, you change anything within this, you'll have the plagues that come upon you, specifically about Revelation. But from Genesis to the New Testament, to Revelation, the word of God is this, the central theme of scripture. So that, that should speak to us. And so when God tells us his thoughts on his own word, that needs to be our foundation and our thought process for it. Amen? Amen. So let's look at this. Isaiah 55, verse 10. It says, for as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. All right, so God says, this is what I want you, I wanna give you an analogy, a comparison about my word. He says, my word is like the rain or the snow that comes down from heaven. 
When the water comes down from heaven and it gets into the soil, the water itself is gonna be what brings about life. You can have soil, you can have seed, you can have sowers, you can have reapers, you can have tools, you can have anything in the world. You can have all of our modern technology today. You can have all the chemicals, you can have anything that you want, but you take away the rain and you have zero life. You have zero produce. I know because I tried to do a garden this year. Okay? And I went to Stephanie Kell, and she has this beautiful garden, and I'd get everything that she said to do, and her garden looks like something out of a magazine, and mine literally looks the same as when I planted it. <laughs> like, I've started some with the seeds, and nothing came up. I started some a little, like little babies. They haven't moved. The cilantro that I grew grew into some weird vine, so I don't know, I don't know what that was. And I like to blame it on the fact that we didn't have any rain. But then when I saw Stephanie's and it was beautiful, I imagined that I did something wrong. But the heart of what happened is there was a lot, there was a series of weeks where we had hardly any rain and it was my responsibility to water it and I didn't water it. I played pickleball instead and I worked out and I did a lot of other things so my plants died. What God the Father wants us to see here is that you can have every single thing else a part of the process, but if you remove the water, you have no life. You have no growth. The same is true for our spiritual lives. You can have a church, you can have a pastor, you can own a Bible, you can be a part of a small group study, you can be a Christian, you can have every other piece of the puzzle, but if you do not have the word of God raining down into your life, you will have zero growth. It won't happen. It is God's word that breeds life. This universe was created by what? God's word. All right? And what he's wanting you to understand, what he wants you to see is that it is God's word and God's word alone uh, that is going to bring life into you, that's going to bring salvation into you, that's gonna bring sanctification into you, that's gonna transform you, and that's gonna mold you. You will not grow, you will not have life, you will not find freedom, you will not have peace, you will not have joy, because God's word says all of those things come from the word of God. So if the only word of God that you get is once every seven days with me, or you're listening to the podcast or the sermons on YouTube or other preachers, but all you're getting, you're getting a, a hundredth of what God really wants for you. The, the main thing that he's saying, that, and I love this, I'm gonna read this again in verse 11. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. The most dominant thing that we learn from God about his own word is that every word of God is two things. Every word of God is purposeful and every word of God is powerful. Every single word of God, there is a purpose to it that God wants to achieve in the world and through the world. There is, there is a purpose to every single word of God from Genesis to Revelation. Every ounce of knowledge, every ounce of wisdom, every ounce of truth, every ounce of doctrine, every ounce of theology, every ounce of history, every letter from Genesis to Revelation, there is a purpose to it that God wants to use it in your life to work on you, work in you, and work through you. And it has the power to achieve it in your life. And there's 
nothing in heaven or hell that can stop God's word from having its effect on you except you not letting God's word in you. So this is, this is the power of God's word. He says, I want you to understand that if you let the word of God rain down into your life, the purpose of the word of God and the power of the word of God will have its effect in you and on you and through you. If you remove the word of God from your life, your soul will dry out, period. This is why so many Christians struggle so heavily because God has given you life in his word. If you go through and you read the book, especially in the New Testament, when, when Jesus begins to break down the power of his teaching, the power of his word, and Paul goes to no ends in the letters in the New Testament, that ultimately what you see is that everything from your initial faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God, to sanctification comes from the, the molding of the truth, to freedom coming from truth, everything in your life comes from the word of God, the spirit taking the word of God, working in and molding, renewing your mind and transforming you. It's the word of God. It's a necessity. It's a necessity in our life. Now, I want to, I want to take that and I want to, I want to jump to Luke really fast. And there's, there's going to be a lot of scripture here. I'm not going to teach all this. I, I, we have to get through the first few verses to be able to look at a, 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 a warning and a powerful lesson that Jesus gives us that most people don't read or understand. That this, this is not a very commonly taught uh, verse from Jesus. It comes after one of the most famous parables. Usually the parable gets all the attention, but Jesus gives us the parable, in all honesty, to give us the second part, which is almost totally ignored. And so I believe that there's a lot here today that God wants to do in our hearts with this, and I, I want us to get through this really fast. I'm being Luke 8. This is the parable of the sower. So I'll, I wanna make sure that we're familiar with this, but I'm not gonna teach through this because the parable of the sower is so given to us with such clarity, there's almost no teaching that needs to be done. So if we could for a few minutes, and I know it's hard for all the ADD people in the world, I feel you, I am one, but as we read this, I want you to do your best because I'm not gonna explain it so you do your best to use your brain to comprehend it and understand it. Is that good? Can we do that? All right. You'd think that wasn't as difficult as it is, but it is. Luke 8. And when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. So I do wanna call your attention to that. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So he's, he's given us something, and Jesus is already letting you know, at this moment in time at least, people are all gonna hear the same thing, but not everybody's gonna hear the same thing, if that makes sense. It's gonna be hidden to some people. He goes on to verse nine. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God but for others they are in parables 
so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. So before he explains the parable to them, Jesus actually gives us something that's gonna be very important that we see this and recognize this for the scripture we're actually gonna teach from this morning. What he's saying right here is he says, you have been given, you, the disciples, those few disciples at first, you have been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. What Jesus is saying is that there are hidden truths and secrets and mysteries, the Old Testament says, within God's word. And he says that, that God's word being hidden within parables and with one translation's dark sayings, hidden within the, this word of God. He says, you've been made known to know the kingdom. Let me, let me explain it like this. The Pharisees had the Bible complete, the Old Testament, the Torah, completely memorized. They knew every single word of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. They knew every single word. They knew the law. They knew every single word. Yet, and they knew the prophets. Yet, when Jesus showed up, the actual message or the actual meaning behind the Torah and behind the word of God, though they knew the word of God, they could quote the word of God, they could teach the word of God, they could put it out there. They actually lacked the true understanding of it because when Jesus showed up, they missed him. Does that make sense? To let you know, even to further hammer this point in, when everyone missed it, everyone missed it. Jesus had his own disciples, two of them, not people on the A team, not the 12, the B team. Uh, after, and this is why they were the B team. After the crucifixion and his death, they left sad. And they were going to Emmaus. Ever heard of the road to Emmaus in the gospels? They were on the way to the road to Emmaus. Well, Jesus was like, you know, Peter may go down, so I need to go get the B team. Gotta have the bench filled up. So he's like, I'm gonna go get them. So Jesus, after his resurrection, he went to meet them. They didn't recognize Jesus. Then it says that Jesus began to open, he began to teach through the whole Old Testament scriptures, all the scriptures that they already knew. But it says that as he taught them, he said that he opened up their mind to understand the scriptures. And that though they knew the scriptures, they did not understand the meaning of the scriptures until Jesus opened up their mind to understand the scriptures. And then they came to truly believe and understand that Jesus was the Messiah and then at a very dramatic moment, it became aware that they were talking to Jesus and then Jesus did one of his things and he just disappeared. And then they were like, hey, we, we super screwed up. And they went back and they just kind of snuck back in like they had always been there, right? So what I, what I want you to understand is that Jesus has given us something and this actually is gonna matter. Meaning that it is, there, are, there is so much knowledge, wisdom, supernatural knowledge, wisdom, doctrine, theology, truth, every other word you could think of in this book but what God is saying is that it is hidden from those with a sinful mind. They'll never be, they'll be able to hear it, but not hear it, see it, but not see it. They'll never be able to understand it. It takes the work of the Holy Spirit in your life to unlock the secret of this word. So that's the point he's making. Now, in a minute, it's gonna super matter. But he goes on to explain the parable. He says, now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. So the seed that's being sown, he says, that's the word of God. And remember from Isaiah, every, every seed is powerful and purposeful. Every word of God, there's a purpose to it. God wants to do something with it in your life, and there's the power to achieve it in your life. This is what he says. Now, the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. 
the ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not uh, believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, they receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of testing, they fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked out by the cares and the riches and the pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Okay, so he says, the word of God goes out, and he says, there's four recipients of this. And I don't wanna teach the whole thing this morning. I want you to understand what he's saying. The word of God goes out and there's different responses. The parable's not about the seed or the word. The parable is about the heart that receives it. And everybody in this room, I can imagine, every real Christian, every true Christian, wants to be the last one. Nobody wants to be the one that hears it but doesn't understand it and the enemy removes it. Nobody wants to be the one who, hear, we, we hear it, we take it with joy, but then the first sign of difficulty because of the word of God, we walk away from it and we choose the culture and we choose life. Nobody wants to be that. Nobody wants to be the one that, that, that takes in the word of God, but then the, the anxieties of life, the cares of life, the deceitfulness of riches and wealth and power and the culture choke us out. It takes all of our attention. It distracts us. It pulls us away from the word of God so that we never bear any fruit. Nobody wants to be that. I think everybody, if, if we're honest, everybody wants to be the last one. Everybody wants to be the one that hears the word of God, that takes it in, that understands it, and that the word of God uh, produces a hundredfold fruit in our life and bears fruit, that God gets glory, that we grow, that we expand, that we find our calling and our purpose. We do crazy, powerful, amazing things with our life, right? Everybody wants to be that. Nobody wants to be the other people. Let's just be honest. Nobody, I, I, let's just, I, I, want, I, want, I want to be, I want to just, for a second. Nobody wants to be the other people. Nobody wants to be the other people. We become those, but nobody wants to be that. In our heart of hearts, if we're true Christians, in our heart of hearts, we want, we want what God wants in our life. We just usually don't know how to go about it. We usually, and I, 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 you could preach this one of two ways. I could come up here and I could just, just condemn everybody for not reading the Bible. I could come up here and just crush people for not reading the Bible. And, and I could come up here and I could just say, you need to get in the Bible more. If you didn't get in the Bible more, Jesus died on a cross for you and you can't make time. I could say all that stuff, right? Jesus guilt. Well, I'm glad Jesus wasn't tired when he was carrying that cross up on the hill for you. <laughs> glad Jesus made some time in his schedule for you. Like, but the truth is, the truth is, true Christians, they want that, but a lot of times they just don't know how to get it. And life gets the best of us. Time just gets away. Well, we all, our jobs, our careers, our life, our kids, life just gets the best of us. Nobody wakes up and goes, you know what? For the next five years, I'm gonna completely ignore the voice of God. That's not how we start off. We don't go, you know, I know that God really wants to do something cool in my life, but nah, I'm good. Life gets the best of us. And so I, I, want, you, I want you from this, this moment forward, I want you to hear, I want you to hear what Jesus says in verse 16, 17, and 18. He gives us this parable. I truly believe he gives us this parable so that he can give us 16, 17, and 18. Because 16, 17, and 18 tell us how to make sure 
we become the fourth one and not the other ones. This is what he says, it seems random. And if you're following along in scripture, the, 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 the translators and the whoever created the whatever one you're reading, they may have separated it with a paragraph and a different heading, but this is directly connected to the parable about the word of God. And it seems random. So this is the part I wanna teach. It says, no one, Luke 8, 16, no one after lighting a lamp covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. All right, so it seems like we just took a left turn, right? Word of God, a farmer analogy, seed goes down, soil receives it, bears a hundred fruit, and then Jesus goes, no one after lighting a lamp covers it with a jar. What he's wanting you to see, what he's wanting you to understand is this is a little bit difficult for our culture to understand the importance of because we have electricity and lights and, and just in life. And we have, when we walk in, some of us have automatic lights that it just senses our presence and just comes on. We don't even have to hit a switch anymore. Like that's where, that's, that's how life is now. In this day and age, to create light after the sun went down, it was a big deal. You had to get oil, you had to get a lamp, you had to get a lantern, you had to light it, you had to take care of it, you had to put it in a very strategic spot. It was a, it was a big part of the day. And he says, so you don't go through the trouble of lighting a lamp and then cover it up or put it under your bed. He says, no, there's a purpose to the lamp. There's a purpose to it. There's a reason for the lamp. And he goes, and when you light a lamp, you take the lamp and you put it out and you let the purpose of the lamp work inside your home so that you can see and that people enter and can see and that it's safe and that you don't run into each other and fall on pitchforks or whatever they had back in this day and age. The heart of what Jesus is saying, he says, just like the word of God, he said, every word of God, he's reiterating what God taught us in Isaiah, every word of God has a purpose. Every Every word of God, every prophecy, every command, every ounce of wisdom in Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, every ounce of teaching, every, every, every single part of God's word, it has a purpose. And he says, you need to come into it understanding that, that God, that, that it's not random, that there's a purpose to it. And that if you begin to read it and understand it and, and, and know that every single time that I read something in scripture, there is a purpose. There's something that God wants to do with that in my life. So he says, you would not sit in church on Sunday, hear the word of God, and then just forget about it and walk out like you never heard it. Yet we do that a lot. He says, but like the lamp, there's a purpose to it. And he says, so I wanna, I wanna teach you, this is what Jesus is about to do. He goes, I wanna teach you how to make sure that you take advantage of my word. When I give you a word and when I open up the scriptures in your mind, when I teach you something, when I give you wisdom, when I give you knowledge, when I give you truth, I want you to become a person who understands there is a purpose behind it and how you handle that and what you do with that is gonna make the difference between whether or not the cares and the anxieties of the world choke out the word of God in your life or the word of God prevails in your life and that you become someone who bears fruit and grows into a great and mighty man and woman of God. He says there's a purpose in every word. And then he says, for nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. So again, this would not make any sense if you didn't see the, the part that he told the disciples earlier, where he said, 
everybody's gonna hear the word of God, but not understand the word of God. He said, but you disciples, you have been made known. The Father has allowed you to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. And what Jesus is saying right here, he's saying that in time, in time, everything that is secret in the word of God, every mystery, everything that is hidden, every knowledge, every wisdom, every ounce of this word is gonna be made known to everyone that nobody is gonna be withheld. This is the promise of the Holy Spirit. This is what Jesus says is the Holy Spirit is gonna come. The Holy Spirit is gonna teach you the word of God. In fact, Jesus said the Holy Spirit's gonna teach you all things and bring to your remembrance the things that I've taught you. The Holy, uh, Jesus says in John that the Holy Spirit is gonna guide you into all truth and even declare to you the things to come in God's word. The, 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 the role, one of the primary roles of the Holy Spirit in the believer is to open up your mind that you can understand the scripture to uncover the truth that's hidden in the words. That's what the Holy Spirit does. This is a, a promise to you. This is a promise to every believer. You, a big portion of why people, and I have, because I've asked them for years, I've asked people, oh, be honest, why? The biggest reason people start to read the Bible and then stop is because they say, I can't understand it. it when you go to teach on Sunday, Jordan, I understand it. But when I go to read the Bible on my own, I don't understand it. It's hard for me to grasp the meaning. It's hard for me to get it. It's overwhelming. It's a massive book. There's a lot of history. There's a lot of knowledge. There's a lot of wisdom. There's a lot of stuff I don't get. There's a lot of context I don't understand. And what I want you to, what I want you to hear me say this morning is, that is true for every single believer. But what Jesus made a promise, and I'm here to tell you after walking with the Lord since I was 16, I'm here to tell you it is 100% true. The Holy Spirit, if you will give him the opportunity, the Holy Spirit will open up your mind to understand the scriptures. If you hunger after the word of God, you will be filled with it. If you desire to understand it, the Spirit of God will give you understanding. He will teach you. He will open up your mind to understand the Scriptures. It will come to life in your heart, come to life in your soul. He will renew your mind with it. If you ask, you shall receive. If you knock, the door will be open for you. This is Jesus saying there is nothing hidden in these Scriptures. There is nothing secret that will not come to light through the power of the Holy Spirit. So though I get that it is difficult, and I get that it's hard, and I get that there is a starting point for everybody, and you may have come to church your whole life and never really read the Word of God. What I want you to know is that you've ever had a teacher or a preacher in your life that you loved and you thought was just such a good teacher and preacher, I promise you there is not a preacher on this earth that is as good a teacher as the Holy Spirit of God. In fact, John, in, in, in 1 John, 2 John, John believed this so much, he said the only teacher you need is the Spirit of God. And so what I want you to hear me say, what I want you to understand is that God's word, he spent thousands of years writing this. There is so much power and purpose in every single word. And he's given us this book to be able to infect us, effect us, mold us, transform us, change us, lead us, guide us, protect us. And that the spirit of God will take the word of God and open it up to us if we will give him the opportunity and the chance. But this last thing is the key. This last thing is the key. I'm gonna read it all over. Verse 16, no one after lighting a lamp covers it with a jar, puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. Every word has a purpose that God wants to use it in your life. 
There's nothing that's hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be made known and come to light. There is not a mystery, a, 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 a word, or a lesson in this book that will not be made known to you if you ask for God to reveal it to you. Verse 18, it says, Take care then how you hear, for to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. Take care then how you hear. One translation says, take heed how you hear. That word, take care or take heed, that word uh, in the Greek, it literally means to see or perceive. In fact, uh, 97% of the time that word is used in the Bible, it's, it's translated see or perceive. The heart of what that, that word is, is, is Jesus trying to get you to understand something. He's trying to get you to understand. He, he's actually giving you the secret to the above parable. He said the difference between the one who heard it, but the enemy took it away, and the one who, who, who took it with joy, but then ran away after difficulty, and the one who was choked out by the cares of the world, and then the one who, who heard it and, and, and produced a hundredfold, the difference was how they heard it. He said, be aware of how you hear it. Perceive how you hear it. Not what you hear, not even what you do with it. But he says, take heed how you hear it. How you hear it. What does that mean? How you hear it. How you hear it. The thing is about, about reading is we get inundated with stuff all the time. We get inundated with information day in and day out. We get news. Uh, I get notifications on my phone all the time. I get YouTube notifications all the time. I, I, I get uh, just inundated with stuff. Good stuff, negative stuff, bad stuff, conspiracy theory stuff. I love that stuff. It's all the time, constant information. And I'm just chew, 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 chew. But every now and then, there'll be somebody that I really respect, somebody that I really believe in, somebody that, that I, I, I really think is a truth teller and has some real wisdom. And I, and I can just hear a thousand things and just scan through and just go through. But there are times when I see somebody that has built trust with me and I will stop and I will listen because of who's saying it. I will listen and hear differently when they talk versus when all the other talking heads talk. One of the things the Lord, and, I, and I've thought about this all week, I've prayed about this all week, and I've had time to just sit and think this week. When you hear the word of God, how do you hear it? Do you hear it as a man speaking to you a word? Or do you hear it as God himself speaking a word into your heart, into your life? In fact, in, in uh, Thessalonians, they were one of the ones that, that had a significant, powerful, deep relationship with Jesus. Uh, if the Corinthian church did everything wrong, the Thessalonians seemed to be doing everything right. And one of the things that, that Paul says, and I found this so intriguing, as he's praising them for what God is doing amongst them, this is, this is, 
the thing that he gives it credit for. I want you to listen to this. First Thessalonians 2, verse 13, it says, and we also thank God constantly for this, that when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. So he says, you look at the Corinthian church, they're falling apart. You look at the Thessalonian church, they're thriving in significant ways. And Paul attributes their spiritual growth and their spiritual thriving in the way at which they viewed the word of God and the way at which they heard the word of God and the way in which they accepted the word of God. They didn't accept it as a new thought process or philosophy or truth from a man or a group or a, 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 a new thing. They accepted it solely as God's word itself. As in they believed in their heart of hearts that the origin of this truth, the origin of these words was the mind of God himself. So they listened differently. They heard God's voice. They heard God's mind. They heard God's truth through Paul. And I think this is, this is, a, this is a big deal to really come to terms with. Because if you believe that the origin of this book is the God who created the universe and that the God who created the universe spent a couple thousand years forming and designing and writing and breathing his own life and wisdom and knowledge into this book, we would elevate this word in our life in a different and unique way. So how do we hear the word of God? We need to hear it like it's God speaking to us. That's how we need to hear the word of God. Another way we need to hear the word of God, I thought a lot about this. What do we, what do, we do with it when, when we get it? Like, and this, this is the point where I, I, wanna, I wanna try to help you. I wanna try to help you in your day-to-day life. Every single day, and I want you to hear me. I want you to hear me this morning. Every single day, your Father in heaven who sent his son to die on a cross for your sins so that you could be in a relationship with him. Now, I wanna make sure you understand what I just said. He sent Jesus to die on a cross so that you could be in a relationship with him, so that you could be a son, you could be his daughter, you could know him. That father who sent his only begotten son to die for you so that you could know him, that father, you may not always want to, but the father wants to take advantage of the gift that Jesus gave you. Your father wants to know you and spend time with you and speak to you. Have you ever thought about that? Your father wants to speak with you. Your father wants to put his words in your heart. Your father wants to guide you. Your spiritual heavenly father wants to teach you. He wants to warn you about the things that you're gonna face today. He wants to guide you through the troubled waters. He wants to help you understand why your anxiety is getting the best of you during the season of your life. He wants to give you peace. He wants to speak to you wisdom and knowledge while you're contemplating going through a divorce and blowing up your family. 
He wants to walk with you through his word. He wants to teach you while you're being bullied at school. He wants to walk with you while you, while you have no idea what you wanna do with your life and you're about to make some significantly big decisions about where you're gonna go to school or the next job you're gonna take or where you're gonna move to. The Father who created you and has a purpose for you in this life, he wants to speak to you in those moments. He wants to give you the wisdom. He wants to give you the knowledge. He wants to set you free. He wants to set you free from those secret addictions that you work so hard in your life to keep away from everybody else. The Father, I, I, I need you to hear me this morning. The Father who created you and the Father who saved you by the blood of his only Son, that Father wants to speak to you and wants to work in your life and work on you, work in you and work through you. He wants to do that through his word every single day. That's the father's desire is to speak to you. It's the primary reason he sent the Holy Spirit of God into your life to be able to open up God's word. So I, I, I want you to get this. The father, the creator of the universe, wants to speak with you, teach you, guide you, give you everything that you need every single day. And he's already made a promise that there is a power and a purpose in every word. And he's made a promise that everything that is hidden can be understood by the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. And what he's wanting from you is to hunger for that same conversation with him, to have that same desire and intimacy with him, to give him that time, to give him that opportunity to speak in his word into your life. I wanna be careful how I say this. We have a lot of, of issues. Can I get an amen? We have a lot of issues, all of us. There are so many things that God wants to do in your life. And the only way he's going to do them is through his word, through the truth that sets us free, through the, the knowledge that renews our mind, through the wisdom that, that alters our life, through the word it says that sanctifies us and transforms us. It's the word at which he's going to do that. If you never open up this book with the desire to hear from the Father and never give the Spirit of God an opportunity to speak to you through his word and to teach you, there are going to be a significant amount of things in your life that go undone because this is the way at which God is going to do those things in your life. And so I wanna, I wanna make sure we understand this last part. It says, take care then, take heed how you hear, how you perceive it, how you understand it. He goes, for the one who has, more will be given. And for the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. So th this is a warning, but this is also a promise. If God gives you a word but you don't do anything with it and you hide it like the lamp under the bed, then it's taken away from you. You don't have the fruit that's gonna come from it. You don't have the change that's gonna come from it. 
He says, but if, if, you, if you are very aware and you have a reverence for God's word and you're, you elevate God's word and you're very careful how you hear it, you understand that the God of the universe wants to speak to me every single day through his word. The spirit of God wants to teach me and guide me into all truth. The, the, the word of God is powerful and it's purposeful in my life. And you go into it every day. You come in every Sunday expecting to hear from God and you open up the word of God in your daily life expecting to hear from God. And then you cherish that word God says, if you truly cherish that word and you let that word work in your heart, not only will the fruit come from it, but God says, those who have, you'll be given more and more and more and more. And so what I want you to to hear this morning is that God does not want you to read your Bible like a to-do list. God wants to speak to you. The creator of the universe, your father, wants to speak to you every single day because his word is powerful and it has a purpose that he wants to achieve in your life. And I want you to start, as your pastor, I want you to start hearing the word of God with that idea behind it and open up the book. You don't have to read the whole thing in one sitting. You don't have to read a paragraph. You just have to read something. Give the Holy Spirit an opportunity to take this word and make it come to life in your heart. And I can promise you, the first time that that happens and you really hear the word of God and it impacts you like every other amazing thing in life, you will become addicted to it. And there is nothing like it. There's nothing like it. And so I I want you to, I want, I want to just, just for, just for the lack of whatever, I'm begging you. I'm begging you as your pastor because I love you and I've walked with the Lord long enough and I know this book good enough. I am begging you. Fall in love with the word of God. Give the spirit of God a chance to teach you, guide you and mold you and transform you. You need God's word in your life. Not just a devotional, not just a study. The creator of the universe wants to speak to his child, that is you. And he wants to do that through his word. There's a power in it and a purpose in it. And I promise you, if you will give him the opportunity to let the rain from heaven come into your life, there will be so much fruit and so much purpose and so much power that will come from it. It will radically change everything in your world. So I challenge you that, I beg you, give God this day an opportunity, change the way that you hear his word, elevate the word of God in your life, give it the honor and the respect and the reverence that it deserves because it is the word of the living God. And he sent his only son to die so that you could understand it and know him. That's how valuable it is in your life.